Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. And I am Adam. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't recognise you without your uh, crazy head attire. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I was. In, someone did say that maybe I'd be dressed as a crow person this this week, but <laughs> who knows? It may happen. It may not. <laughs> and uh, well, I was looking at the pictures again, and it just freaked me the shit out. To be honest, so yeah. So, do we have a surprise coming? Uh, no, and I assure you that that's not a lie, <sighs> or it could be a lie. <laughs> Right, so a um, couple of bits of housekeeping before we get going. Housekeeping. I um, uh, want to say a big thank you to everybody who watched the episode we put up on YouTube uh, for our first video episode. Yes, um, thank you, everyone. It, it, it proved the episode um, that were the, uh, the film we covered was just as divisive for everybody else as it was for us um, because mm. we had two, uh, two friends of the show uh, give their opinion, and I've written them both down because they were good quotes. That I Ooh. wanted to, uh, and they agreed with get... you. No, no. Uh, oh, right. Okay. One, one did, one didn't. Uh. Yeah. So Joseph said this film almost made my nose bleed, which I I had to share. Is, is that, that was, good or bad? No, it was bad. He said well. it was awful. He was in complete agreement with me. So go, Joseph. He knows the score. I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry, but his he had the best review which was I started off really caring about the family and then I was just worried about how long the film was going to be so I could go to bed. <laughs> it's true. That's exactly and how that is, that is the best sort of <laughs> like slating review that I've heard. So well done there. Yes. Um, and the other one was uh, from our friend Vicky, uh, who said, I really enjoyed this, not meaning the film, meaning the video feed. Uh, although I spent half the time shouting at the screen, my disagreement with Lee. Disagree. Yeah. Well, it's, well, much as much as me and Chris did. Yeah. Well, was she disagreeing with the negative points or the positive points? No, no, the negative points. Definitely. She thought it was a fantastic film. So, uh, mm -hmm. well, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that, Vicky. Yeah. She, she actually put a hashtag Team Chris up before uh, the comment. Excellent. <laughs> I'll Take try to it. do you proud once again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like, because I had to go back, because I'm following the discussion we had about the part where the dad headbutts the engine. Mm. And I was to start it, yeah. You, you felt the need to double check on that. Yes. So I went back and rewatched it. And <laughs> in my defense, I was like, if it's that obvious, like, I remember that engine, the sound in the mix of that engine being really, really loud so that it was really obvious every time it cut out or didn't. And I was like, I can't possibly have missed that. So I went back and re-watched it. And for some reason, yeah, so to, to emphasise the engine running and stopping, they did make it really, really loud in the sound mix, except in that scene where there was no sound of the engine running. So, yes, you did see him getting his guts churned up, but they seemed to have, I think they went for the sound of him getting chewed up Rather than mm. the sound of the engine, because if you had the sound of the engine, then you couldn't hear the sound of like bits of meat. Well, so I think was... also there was the punch up element going on and music, etc. Whereas in the earlier scenes, it's just that's the sort of the setup. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, in fairness to you, Claire thought exactly the same thing. She was, she thought it was always oh, headbutted the thing to make him feel pain. And yeah. no, it's uh, he's churning his guts up. It's rubbish. But I guess we'll have to give you that, Lou. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I'm not giving it to him. I'm. I'm just thinking. Well, you know, it's just you know, two people were wrong. It happens. So. Yeah, you two mainly, right? But um, uh, yes. Also, I'd like to say a big don't pull me that face, turd. Um, I'd like to say a quick thank you as well to Alex Corbin, um, out there listener on uh, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yeah. Yes, he's been working his way through the entire back catalogue and liking he's the episode. doing well. Oh, um, bless him. Yeah, so I really like it because it means... Well, I'm, her, get, I'm assuming it's a him, but... You could be right. It could be a her. Well done. Um, yeah, so it was cool seeing uh, how somebody's progressing through our back catalogue. So thank you very much, Alex, be you a he or a she. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. But as you so have just gone... a comment right, to let us know. Well, as you've gone back... Or, or remain, or remain non-speci- non-specified, if you prefer. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to take months for them to catch up to episode 60 odd so uh, they'll hear this in about a year's time possibly yeah. but we are very grateful so thank you very much for that yeah but that's no that's brilliant mm. and that's i'm actually pleased because that's what i tend to do if i discover a podcast is i'll be like oh that's good right so i'll download every single thing and oh. then i'll just work my way back through it yeah yeah i do the same actually I like to think of it like an investigation. You start where they do. <laughs> you look um, very serious today, Chris. You don't now, and now you're smiling. But until now, you've looked slightly pained or confused. Or, uh, have I? Well, uh, that is one of my favourite looks. <laughs> you know, do what you can do. Do it well. <laughs> That's a fair point, actually. No, no, so, don't change on my behalf. I think it's just the lighting, that's all. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah okay, I'll let you have that. Don't go changing, baby. <laughs> um, so, uh, with our normal preamble, Chris, have you had an opportunity to watch anything new since we last recorded? Oh, you'll be very proud. <gasps> and, and I didn't say that in a way that let you know that you definitely won't be proud. <laughs> so you definitely won't be proud um, I've watched Frozen 2 however I'm going to try as I like to do when I watch children's programs and wedge it right into the horror genre so it turns out that two of the main characters actually die now they do come back to life which you could argue is even more horror like they weren't <laughs> zombies but, you know, They're the, the children were, were suitably scared, yeah. Oh. So it was yeah. it was quite, they, you know, it, quite a moment. Was What's it like that? a death? When you say they died, was it like a prophet? You, like, you know, for, like from an adult's perspective, you know they're coming back or, you know, it would be seriously weird if they didn't. From a child's perspective, maybe not, you know. It, it wasn't clear. They made it very eerie, I suppose. I mean, feel free to spoil it. Are we talking magical death, or did they like fall into a wood? So, chip? so I was assuming that that nobody watching this will mind if I spoil Frozen Two. But if if anyone does, yes, you know, just skip the next couple of uh, brief seconds. Yeah, well, so I suppose I've already 
spoiled that in a sense. I mean, you know, there's a lot of other twists that happen in the film, but um, but you know, no, that's tangled. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a death that happens naturally, but this, this is definitely more along the horror aspect. So the the snowman called Olaf, if you don't know. Mm-hmm. Adam, you will probably learn these things in a few oh, years, no, maybe. I'm, fu- maybe. I'm fully aware this is nothing, and that's nothing to do with Ted. No, fair enough. I'm sure. I'm assuming Lee does know as well, but I have no idea. It doesn't, right? Okay, so he so would Olaf, like to build a snowman. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so Olaf is the snowman, and he sort of disintegrates on the wind, and he <laughs> he sort of starts to detect it happening, and his you know the realization comes to him as his life is departing and he's, he's not too upset about it but um, he's been having a lot of philosophical thoughts throughout the entire film as well about growing up and how do you deal with the uh, existential angst that life bestows upon you as your brain develops you know as kids films tend to do so yeah so it's, it's quite good that they went for something of that sort of magnitude I suppose so yeah um, and and the main character Elsa, she dies as well. She gets frozen, which she's you know meant to be the queen of freezing things. So I wouldn't have thought that would be the way she'd die. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, but hoist by your own leotard. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's but, probably I was going to say it's probably worse than Scooby Doo, which is also coming out because I saw a trailer for it. Um, which actually looked, I thought looked quite good. But Scooby-Doo does have a lot of horror tropes in it. It yeah, does now, apparently. Yeah. They've even had Cthulhu and stuff. And... Yeah, I've, uh, I've been watching my, working my way back through the original series. Uh, mm. Scooby-Doo, where are you, the original ones? Yeah. Um, mm. So I've watched about 15 episodes of that. But it, it's never anything supernatural. It's always just no. somebody on a thief. So, yeah. Back, back the old, the old version. But now there's, I can't remember what it is. It's called something like Mysteries Incorporated. Is like the new cartoon, and apparently that does have, because they've done bits of like Cthulhu mythos, and I'm sure there's a Hellraiser cube in it at one point. Although I'm not quite, I'm not yeah. quite sure that they've gone that far. Um, I don't think anyone opened it. Jinkies, <laughs> Jinkies wept. <laughs> as they're peeled raw before Scooby's terrified eyes and Scrappy tries to fight them and he gets a fucking chain through his neck like he's fucking needed ever since he was fucking first brought out Scrappy do you lump of poo sorry yeah I agree with that um, mm. he did spoil that entire series um, yeah. so Adam what have you been watching sorry these things won't stay in my ears because I've got I don't know funny shape ears apparently so I will be interfering with them are periodically. They, are they weeping? No, no. They just keep falling out. Okay. Jets. This seems to be... It seems to be, though, that we've all somehow managed to end up on kids' horror. If you've been watching Scooby-Doo and mm. you've been watching... Well, I... Um, well, for a start, we've had norovirus. Mm. Oh, yes. And that's been, yes. that that's been wonderful all of its own, yeah. The sensation of pushing cake mix out of a whoopee cushion uh, every fifteen minutes has been just delightful. And uh, I think clarity. we need to make a f- phrases from Adam book. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are legendary. People do they say are. I have a good turn of phrase, but it seems to be mainly <laughs> lavatory related. 
I've, I first impressed my father-in-law with the use of the term flinty for one of the poos I'd had. So, you know. Yeah. Oh, and Gritty Shaker. Claire likes that one as well. Me Gritty Shaker. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Claire and Ted were proper exorcists, biling. I was shitting for England. Um, and, yeah, sitting at home ill with an ill toddler. So CBeebies was on constantly. And can I just say, it's a fucking wonder that there aren't more, you know... I don't know, sort of just murders, massacres, and stuff. Because it's like, it reminded me of Terminator. It doesn't stop. It doesn't get tired. <laughs> it doesn't feel remorse or pity. It just keeps digging at you with various bloody cartoons, with various bloody songs. Oh Christ, it's been depressing to be honest. Uh, and I've watched a, a Chris. I'm not going to get too started on it, but I've watched a fuck ton of Bing, and frankly, mm. the whole lot of them need put into the flame. Um, but um, interestingly enough, I have the one thing I have watched sort of proper, uh, well, horror related, if if you like, is uh, Talking Pictures TV have started showing, or have been showing it probably for some time, uh, a children's series called Shadows which was on ITV back in the sort of late 70s, very early 80s. And it was kind of a precursor to Dramarama. So it's just a kid's anthology um, show. And uh, I watched a, couple of, uh, watched a couple of episodes of that, and they're quite good. I mean, one of them ended bizarrely, because obviously it's a kid's show, so you've got things in it like a man who went to find uh, a woman who's cursed a ballet because she lost a leg to illness. Um, but he's got a supercomputer in it that comes in a trunk. And it's like a supercomputer as it would be from like a TV show on ITV in 1974. So it's very sort of like a lot of whirly wires and things and so on and so forth. And it's, yeah, it was just bizarre. But the episode I was watching, and this is, this is the real pisser, episode I was watching, I'm going, I know the guy playing the blacksmith. I really know the guy playing the blacksmith. Yeah, and the reason I know the guy playing the blacksmith is because he's in pissing quite a mass in the pit. Mm. And I've been... <laughs> no, and I've been reading going, oh yeah, he's in that. Or when he's in that, oh, and I know him from Death to the Daleks. And I know him from... Yeah, and all the way through I'm going, oh, I definitely know that bloke. But then at the end it was like, yeah, it's Duncan Lamont, you prat, who you've been sort of reading up on for the past sort of like week or whatever it has been. So is that uh, is that actually Quatermass? Yeah, he's 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 actually in, him. He's in oh, quite he no no, no who, he's, who's he's, he play? He was the um, drill operator, Sladner. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so you're forgiven a bit then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> no. It wasn't Andrew Keir. I would have been right. very pissed off with myself. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that becomes very obvious. You know. Yeah. I guess yeah, he's done as, quite a bit. Yeah. It's, well, it's not that. It was. Just, it's because I'm going as I'm watching quite a mass, like when we were watching it back. Um, I'm going. Oh, of course, and he's in this. Oh, and he's brilliant in that. Oh, and he's in Death to the Daleks, and he's and, and yeah. And then immediately, I managed to completely dump all that out of my brain and watch this episode. During which I'm going, oh, it's that actor from this and that actor from that. But I know that bloody blacksmith. I know him from something. It's like yeah, the sort of someone you've been focusing on for a week. But yeah. Um, other than that, Vic and Bob's Big Night Out is back. 
Yes. Um, and uh, I've watched the first two episodes of the new Rick and Morty. Um, I was going to... Rick and Morty? Yeah, series four. Um, it's not on... Uh, rather stupidly, it's on American Netflix. It's not on English Netflix yet. But E4 have um, pipped them to the post and are showing it. So, so Channel 4's beat Netflix to the punch and you can watch it on there. And uh, at one point, someone is wearing a crown in it that said King of Shit. And no, frankly, I, I was going to be wearing that crown this evening because mm. that, has, <laughs> that has pretty much been my title this week. It has been hell in there. Um, you are yeah, the king. I am the king of shit. Um, but no, so other than that, that's been, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just destroy my mind with children's television and then watch some old children's television, um, and which apparently it had destroyed my mind because I didn't recognise someone who's in the film we're talking about this evening. So, well done, me. <laughs> um, right, so I had a conversation with Lady Jennifer last week. Um, we were watching something, and I can't remember what it was, and it had a uh, nice homage to the thing in it. It had a head with spider legs and the, you've got to be fucking kidding me, line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to Jennifer immediately, I went, oh, anything with that quote in it is good. And she was like, why, what's it from? And I was like, the head and spider legs. And she went, yeah, no, I don't know. She's got an amazing knowledge of horror and somehow she had never seen the thing. But but then, as you said, you've you hadn't you hadn't watched it. This like when we watched it together, that was like the third time you'd seen it. Yeah. So if you've not been watching it, she probably would have. A lot of her horror knowledge does come from. Well, I think the co-habit with you. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. It's like sto- it's like Stockholm syndrome. You know. Yeah. Claire, Claire's suffering much the same the same problem. It's just like sort of like well, if you can't beat them, join them. So. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would, uh, but thinking about it. So yeah, have you rectified this? Oh, oh God, yes, yeah. Immediately the very next day, obviously. <laughs> um, yes. And what did she think? And, oh yeah, she loved it. Obviously, how can you not? Um, yeah, and I just, I, I still can't get over that dog. That dog is one mm. of the best actors I've ever seen in anything. Oh, he's um, fantastic. Yeah, and he got overlooked for the Oscars, despite the dog from the Burbs being given an Oscar for. Uh, what? Silence the Lambs. The other thing I've seen, um, which uh, isn't horror, but I am going to bring it up because uh, I've railed on this guy for a long time on this show. So I think if I've seen a new one of his films, then I should definitely mention it. Um, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I've said on this show many times, I'm not a fan of Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he writes like a 12-year-old, uh, like his dialogue. Um, I don't like his musical cues. Uh, I, I'm just, just not a fan of him in general, really. Um, I watched Once Upon a Time in New York last weekend, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last weekend. Uh, best film of the year, hands down. Was that <laughs> yeah. Absolute work of genius. See, I had to put my hand up there just because it does beggar the question. You've said on here how much you dislike Quentin Tarantino, which makes you be, well, I did want to ask, so why are you still watching Quentin Tarantino films? 
but just because, just in case. Yeah, yeah, and and it's paid off. Finally. Yeah, I'm still watching M Night films, and that he's not done a good film in forever. But is but, it wait? Is it that you you don't like them as much as other people seem to like them? Like as in they they are watchable, yeah. even if though there's sort of element, you know the style you really hate, but you still kind of get something from it. I think that's what it is. Like I, I hate the dialogue, uh, but generally, yeah, like they're passable films. I, I mean, mm. I watch a lot of really shit movies, and I see them as the same as all that. You know, like it's it's entertaining for two hours. It's dumb. It makes no sense. It's rubbish, and I can just sit and entertain, be entertained by it, and it's fine. It's like um, drinking tequila and sticking your dick in an electrical socket. It's exactly, exactly like that. that. Yeah. It's dumb, but it passes a couple of hours. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and people just rave about him like he's some kind of movie god, and I don't think he is. Um, what, what would have been but, your, your other, you know, the next favourite Tarantino? Uh, I've seen Kill Bill 1 and 2 twice. So I thought you would quite like those but they are really good so. they are they are but it, it's it, but they're it's, fairly atypical at that point for yeah. what he was doing yeah and i think the problem is like i said his dialogue makes me think you know the film paul about the alien yeah mm-hmm. the religious woman in it who suddenly decides in her 20s when she discovers that there is no god that she's just going to start swearing <laughs> and she's just like yeah, you bet, you, you bet your big fucking hairy bald titty arse I'm going to be there. Yeah, that is what Quentin Tarantino's dialogue is like for me. It just sounds like a, a child whose parents are not around for the first time and he can do all of the swears and nobody will tell him off. And that is just what he reminds me of. I, th- um, I, th- I think you might be actually more accurate there than you could possibly <laughs> believe. I think but that's where taken, a lot of it comes from. But he's taken all of that out. Um, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Do you mean he's grown up? Well, uh, I think he has. Um, but yeah, those two, I, I, give the, I, I think they're fantastic actors and they, I think both of them give the best performance I've ever seen from either of mm. in this film. Um, there's a couple of things I didn't like about it. They make Bruce Lee out to be a turd for no reason whatsoever. Like, Bruce Lee was a nice guy. I'm sure he was. Um, but they make him out to be a piece of shit. <laughs> okay. What, um, Just what, what, what's that based on? What? What's that based on? Yeah. yeah. Like, so I used to be big into martial arts, so I mm. like I watched a lot of you know videos of him like doing because he oh, okay. used to do um, yeah like lots of uh, you know like yeah, I don't know I don't know how to describe it like it's like he'd do performances you know. Mm. Yes, so like a lot of that, and he came across as quite charismatic and quite nice. Whereas in this, he comes across as like an arrogant dickhead. Um, and apparently, the family of Bruce Lee were really upset by it as well. Um, but yeah, Quentin Tarantino it does seem a bit random. I wonder why they why he did that. I don't know, but it, the, I won't give anything away about the no. story. Okay. But what you will see is it includes real people and real events but they play out totally differently to how they actually uh, played out in reality okay oh so a bit like inglorious bastards where spoiler alert they kill hitler yes exactly it's just like that he just takes real kind of events and then just makes them all mental um 
yeah, I thought and there's so much feet in this. I think now people is. know we've got this foot thing, like it's really, really, really over the top. And I was the only dinner. reference I know is in Pulp Fiction when they talk about massaging feet. There's I whole, it in any others in Kill Bill. There's the whole bit where mm. she's trying to get her feet to move. Yeah, in close up for okay. fucking hours. <laughs> the same in this. Um, Margot Robbie has got similar feet to Uma Thurman, like quite big feet. Um, I don't know where else to describe them. Um, it's got enormous yeah. feet like barges. <laughs> got big feet like your Uncle Derek. Um, but yeah, so they, but yeah, so he just every opportunity, she's got her feet up on the chair, or she, you know. It just yeah, she's Australian. That might just be the way she sits. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, it is true. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's still, yeah, incredible film. I have never seen an actor quite as good as Leonardo DiCaprio in a specific scene in this film. It genuinely was moving like nothing I've ever watched before. Mm. So uh, mm. there you go. They don't tell you on it. Oh, I'm, oh no, I was I was going to watch You're, it because yeah, I know. Yeah. I know um, uh, here's our usual set uh, go and listen to Not For Everyone podcast um, mm. because I know Bobby was really um, taken with it because uh, he uh, mess- he messaged me about it and said you know if you can get to see it at the cinema which as it happened didn't pan out I think that was something to do I think children mm-hmm. that was it um, but yeah so um but I definitely, yeah, no, I do, I do want to see it. I also listened to a thing with Tarantino talking about the soundtrack to it. Um, what he found was is he got uh, bootleg tapes of a guy who, from someone who basically recorded a local radio station from uh, L.A. at the time, who was just mm. recording it during the day, just like would run the tapes and then... and. Um, he sort of listened to that initially to get inspiration, and then basically that is the soundtrack. It's these guys' bootleg tapes. So nice. everything you hear in there is absolutely authentic. It's adverts from the time. It's um, like jingles that the radio station made up. There's even I think there was something on there where he said there was a there's an advert for I'm sure it's a Hammer film, but it's or but there's um, library music under it. And he said that, like, when he was talking to the guy who was, like, he has a researcher now who does, goes and sources the music and stuff like that. And apparently this advert didn't have any music under it. But that station just didn't think the advert was punchy enough. So they put, like, a creepy library music track under it. And it's like, so it's all stuff like that. So everything that's on, everything that's on the soundtrack is from the, are either records that were genuinely played because he only used records that were on these tapes or actual excerpts from those tapes themselves of DJs talking, jingles, competitions, adverts for local restaurants and stuff like that. And that, I just, I really like that attention to, to, to detail. It's really good. Like, honestly, there's so few things to fall. Um, and the thing is, again, fun time. So my... The other film that I found passable of his was Django. I liked the first hour and a half of Django. Was that us syndrome? You said it went on a bit long. And then it should have finished. It felt <laughs> yeah. like there was a definitive end. And then he tacked another 40-odd minutes on it. And I was like... Oh. Yeah. 
when it, I saw re- it really loses it once Christoph Waltz is gone. Yeah, exactly. And that felt like a natural end to the film. So when I saw the runtime for this, that was the thing. Like by that point, I'd bought it and I was like, well, I've paid for it now. I'm going to watch it. But yeah, when it turned up and I was like, <laughs> it's two hours and 40 minutes or whatever it is, 200, yeah, 245, 250. Um, yeah, and I was like, well, guarantee you can cut 40 minutes out of this without even noticing you couldn't there is nothing in this that isn't absolute genius it's absolute perfection it could it have, could it have been turned into an episodic no it's mm. it it's it, it it all runs it all runs up to one point i, so I don't want to spoil it because no, i didn't think about it at all um but yeah, Lady Jennifer had read quite a lot up, so she knew a lot of the stuff that was going to happen. Um, but it doesn't happen how you think it's going to happen, and that was one of my biggest loves of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just incredible. I, I was left absolutely gobsmacked at the end of it. So uh, yeah, so I'm very pleased I bought it. Well done, Terry. Oh, you, you look like a new man. Yeah, and he'll get one looking like that too. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I just figured enough people love his films. There must be something in there. And that's why I kept giving it a chance and kept trying everything he did. Yeah. Like, eventually, something's got to land. Something's got to work. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's the thing. I think he's grown up and I think he's stopped all that, you know, attention-grabbing nonsense he used to do. And he just made a fantastic... Don't get me wrong. It's one of the most brutal films I've ever seen. But I oh, laughed all yeah. the way through the brutality. Um, mm. which I can't normally do. But trust me, when you watch it, you'll understand. It's mm. fantastic. You have tempted me. Go, Tarantino. You saying about that with, like, oh, it's two and a half hours, but I've paid for it now. <laughs> I'm a bit like that with crisps. It's like, these crisps <laughs> taste like shit. Well, why is it deleting them? I've bought them now. Jennifer does that with the bath. I can hear her getting an ow, oh, ow. Put some cold water in. No. I've, I've run it. So I'm, I'm sticking to this now. Yeah, I've committed. Fantastic. Well, I've, it's always I've... entertaining. It's all that broken glass you put in there and all that. <laughs> right, so this evening's main feature, having discussed Ooh. it on every other episode for the last two years. Mm-hmm. It was, it was um, well built up. Yeah, it was. Sorry. Is it nearly three years? We originally Ooh, yeah. came up with this back Christmas Day. Yeah. And it's Christmas in a couple of weeks. So we're now Yeah, yeah. we're 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 heading into a third year, definitely. What what are we gonna do? Gotta come up with something special. You're Probably gonna watch do. the Exorcist. <laughs> You're gonna come round here and we're gonna watch the Exorcist. I've already thought about this. Um, and then after yeah. that, we're going to watch The Dirty Exorcist, which is a three-minute short I'm going to make. I don't know anything about already. it yet. No, I don't know anything about it yet. I've only just come up with a title. But the dirt, I think that's just... I might just do a series of short films that are just films, but with dirty in it. The Dirty Exorcist, oh. The dirt, Dirty Omen. Sorry. Apart from Wait. The Dozen, because that's already got dirty in it. So. <laughs> That'd and and dancing. Dirty, dirty dozen. <laughs> yeah, dancing. Dozen. 
What's, what's happened? Yeah. I don't know, he's pausing. Uh, what's he up to? Nothing, I'll come back to it. I'll do it on the next episode. What um, were you going to do? I went to a Something preview of a short film, uh, and it was incredible. Uh, and it was by Evil Hypnotist uh, Productions. Um, oh, yes, yeah. And it was excellent, and they showed the third man on the big screen, and it was fantastic. Uh, but I can't find it right now. Uh, so I don't want to delay this episode any longer. So we'll talk about it on the next episode. But don't worry, Paul. I, uh, I'll, we will talk about it because uh, it was incredible. Um, yeah. So quite a mess in the pit. Finally. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, after two years of hype, did it live up to the hype? Whoa. Ooh, pretty. <laughs> you don't <Yeah>. miss that. <laughs> Dirty pig. That's a nice cover, actually. I like that. It's great, isn't it? It's the, it's the, that was what mainly attracted me. Is I just yeah. don't. I, they they used to have just the hammer poster, which is not all that great, mm. and, but that is just great. That's really sort of body snatchers. Yeah, yeah. So it's another one that I've now ticked off. My life is that bit more complete. Yeah. I now know. I know what a crater mass is because before that, it was hard not to think of sort of a crater with a lot of mm. mass in. You know, something totally random. It turns out it's a man who's a very entertaining sort of a man. Yeah, um, very Scottish looking. Um, not sound, which is interesting. Mm. He is Scottish though. Oh, is he really? Andrew Keir is Scottish. Yeah, yeah. he just looks. He's got a very Scottish appearance. <laughs> and that's not racist. No, it's not like he's. You know, it's not like he's standing there in a kilt with a tamashanna. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought this was a great, like, the story is fantastic. Um, you know, they, they think it's a bomb, and then they find out some more, and it, it turns out it's a, a spacecraft from Mars, um, and they have infected the human race. I, I think, I got this right, yeah, back in time, um, mm -hmm. what is it, five million years ago? Yeah. Was it? Um, yeah, and... It, yeah, and so we've evolved with Martian DNA, or yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, it had everything that I like in the story. Um, where I still struggle a little bit is I think it's that era of film that I think if this whole thing was done again, either possibly a bit older or a bit more recently, mm -hmm. then it would have sucked me in that bit more. But I love the characters. I really like the um, the scientist guy and their interactions where they didn't like the the military. Yes. Um, what, what what do you say to him at first? It's something about like he's never seen any action, and you know, oh, he, he, like, he didn't quite say it like that, but you know, he makes it clear. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not seen the action, nor is your wife. I'm going to show us up. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I really liked all, all of that. Um, yeah, and the way it unfolds. So I, I definitely would like to watch more Quatermass. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. I kind of, I kind of thought it would appeal to you, and I'm very pleased that it has, because mm. um, it's um, it's Nigel Neal who also did the Stone Tape. Oh, okay. And I That's think so. So what? What came first? 
Oh, Quatermass was sort of long, long before Stone Tape. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, just like as a as a potted history, Quatermass started out as a TV series. Mm, okay. um, in it's nineteen fifty three, and actually, this is one of the things because um, I I can't remember where it was, but I was looking at something and uh, someone was going, "Oh, the thing is with Quatermass and the Pit is that." He jumps to conclusions quite quickly with regard to alien intelligence, etc. But in terms of Quatermass's timeline, this is the third part of the story. Yeah. So, so he's already oh, so, yeah. Mm. So he's already met aliens. So probably make it much more likely you'd jump to yeah conclusion then. Yeah. so you've got in yeah in 1953 they did the Quatermass experiment which was six parts mm. broadcast live on bbc tv all right and and in that he's um uh he's a rocket that he has sent into space with three astronauts on board uh crash lands back on earth uh with only one astronaut left and gradually as it sort of pans out they slowly discover that there is a substance in the structure of the ship mm. that would account for the missing astronauts however the missing the astronaut who's left has a sort of is a composite of all three astronauts and it's kind of this whatever they've encountered out there has kind of sort of autopsied them sort of or vivisected them to the point of understanding and then just stuck them all back together a bit willy-nilly <laughs> but also they are contaminated by an alien creature and yeah quite a mass has to deal with that um See, and that and... was the one I was thinking of mm. so when we were watching this and i said to you yeah part of me every time you mention it i'm like don't think I'm really a big fan, and that's why it was quite a mass experiment. I was remembering, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, they didn't like, but it's the well, because what what happened is so you got like 1953, the Beeb do it with a guy called Reginald Tate playing Quite a Mass. That's quite an important thing, is that basically hundreds of different people have played Quite a Mass because mm. it just works out that way. That was such a big success that Hammer then bought the script off the Beeb. And in 1955, they released the Quatermass Experiment, which, like, with uh, its spell, it loses the E. So it emphasises X, as in X-rated, you know, horror, blah, blah, blah. Because that was the thing, is it was huge. I mean, admittedly, it was the only thing you could watch at the time, because there was only the Beeb, really. But it was, like, a huge phenomenon at the time where people were just like, oh, you know, Quatermass was, like, this big thing. And then 1955, Hammer released the Quite a Mass Experiment, which is their adaption of it. Unfortunately, the guy they've got playing it in that is a guy called Brian Don Levy, who's an American actor who's kind of like a gangster. Like he played gangsters and stuff like that. So he's not quite, he's not quite Quite a Mass as sort of Andrew Keir plays him or anything else like yeah. that. And so it doesn't doesn't work quite as well. Um, and then. And actually, Nigel Neal, who uh, like created Quatermass, didn't like um, Brian Donlevy's performance. Uh, <laughs> indeed, I, I, I don't think a lot of people do. Apparently, the one person who really rates him is John Carpenter, but John Carpenter 
said it was how he first saw Quatermass. Is he yeah, saw so those like Quatermass experiment and the follow up movie adaption. Um, so he was like, so he always liked Don Levy. So anyway, so back on the BBC, they commissioned Quatermass Two, which is Roman numerals two because it's about Quatermass's next rocket. So it's not quite a mass two as in a sequel. It's quite a mass two as in that's the name of his rocket. Very helpful that it's the second in series and it's called quite a mass two. Yeah. Um, quite a mass is then played by a guy called John Robinson because the guy who played him originally died about three weeks before they started shooting. So oh, John Robinson's called in very quickly and has to learn the part very quickly. Um, and quite a mass two, again, really sort of took off with the public uh, but they've got all of these on they kept these they didn't get junked they weren't going out live or anything else like that so you can actually see this series and that is phenomenal because basically quite a mass the quite a mass two rocket i mean quite a mass is a rubbish rocket scientist that's the one thing you get from this is because seriously his wife was meant to have been blown up by a rocket the quite a mass i mean the first rocket nearly he sends three people into space and nearly brings about the destruction of the world. Uh, the Quatermass 2 rocket gets grounded because it's basically a big fucking bomb, as it turns out, because there's a problem with the nuclear systems on it. Um, but he's also trying to build a moon base. Meanwhile, someone goes out into... Uh, he gets involved with this guy who goes out to uh, look at where people are being hit by meteorites and being affected by the meteorites and people are acting strange and he goes out to like the middle of the countryside and finds his moon base is actually has been built in the middle of the english countryside but it's his moon base that the government were funding but his moon base used to allow someone to live on earth who can't exist in earth's atmosphere interesting yeah and then this, and there's a big conspiracy thing like the government are all involved because they're being infected by the aliens and it's mm. really that one's really really good and they did do hammer also made that they did that in 1957 called quite a mass two but with the number two so it's just the sequel uh they obviously missed the point again unfortunately it's brian don levy but still you get the gist from that one but you can watch the tv one uh then 1958 they make quite a mass in the pit with a guy called Andre Morel, who apparently was the guy they originally wanted to play quite a mess all the way back in the first series. Um, and he is probably, I mean, it's, it's sort of neck and neck, but he is probably my favorite quite a mess because the TV version of quite a mess in the pit that I would say, actually, Chris, if you can find that, I think it might be on Amazon, uh, mm. like on like Amazon play or whatever like that. The series it is from 1950, uh, 1958, so it's quite slow. But weirdly enough, I think that that old quality to it might actually benefit it. Okay. Because it's weirdly sort of more, it makes it weirdly more documentary style. Mm, yeah. And, and also, you get a much better build of the investigation side of things. You know, where it's like mm -hmm. it starts off and, yeah, it's like, I think the end of episode one is where they're like, but that skull was inside the ship, you know, and that's like the first sort of, oh, something's not quite right. And then, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I recommend the shit out of that. Then uh, Hammer made Quite a Mass in the Pit, the remake in 67 with Andrew Keir, uh, who is brilliant and 
yeah, it's great as well. Mm. Um, and then in 1979, uh, Nigel Neal had written a fourth Quatermass series, but ITV, uh, sorry, the BBC didn't want to know, and he had a falling out with them anyway, but Nigel Neal basically fell out with a lot of people, because as far as I can tell, Nigel Neal just didn't like anyone else writing. Um, yeah. And if you rewrote him, you were crap. If you copied him, you were crap. <laughs> um, That's and if pretty you, much a lose-lose, really. And if you asked him to rewrite, you were crap. <laughs> so, you know, he was, he was a bit of a belligerent old bugger, but... Um, and then, yeah, eventually ITV um, agreed to make this one, and it's uh, it's just called Quite a Mass, or it's called the Quite a Mass Conclusion. And in that, it's actually set a bit in the future, and uh, it's like society's broken down. There's groups of people in it that kind of, because Nigel Neal originally wrote it in the sort of early '60s, are kind of hippies. But now we would think of them more like crusties. It's much more like like a punk sort of thing. But there's basically yeah, society's breaking down. There's a sort of generation war, and he's and basically he gets involved with uh, people who are being apparently taken out uh, out of stone circles. So like these this group of like new age traveller types, sort of crusty punks, whatever are obsessed with stone circles and things like that. And they're being taken by the aliens to a new utopia. And then basically quite a mass analyzes it and realizes they're just being eaten. And yeah. And basically the only way that, I mean, spoiler alert, but it never did me any harm because I knew the spoiler before I saw any quite a mass is it basically ends with quite a mass having to destroy the world to prevent the world from getting more and more fucked up. Um, so, and he was quite, and Nigel Neal was quite pleased. He was like, there you go, no more Quatermass. That's it. And, um, and John Mills plays him in that version. And that's actually, it's, it's a really good, it is an oddly really good conclusion, but it's the only one that doesn't feel quite so forward thinking. But then I think it was just because it was written about 10 years before it was actually made. And again, I don't think he bothered rewriting, rewriting that stuff. But yeah, so you can get the TV ones, but the you can only get two episodes of the Quake Mass Experiment because they were live, so they recorded two, but the rest of them disappeared into the ether. Um, you can get Quake Mass in the Pit, the BBC one on Blu-ray now, apparently as well. But apparently, it's not that much of an upscale, so I'm bothered. Uh, but you can get a really nice quite a mass mm-hmm. conclusion. That's really good. Um, and then in 96, Andrew Keir came back mm. and did a radio series called the quite a mass memoirs, which is set after the pit, but before quite, quite a mass conclusion. And um, it's him like telling the story of the first three quite a mass stories, but with Nigel Neal also in there, saying about how it was related to stuff that was going on at the time and government things and sort of you know the world as it was going and it's and it actually ends with quite a mass saying that he's receiving news that his granddaughter's gone missing which is kind of leading into the last episode where he goes looking for her and finds the world's gone to shit in a handcart and you really the best thing is to send a nuclear pulse up a stone circle to a devouring alien presence that's what you do (laughs) um that might actually be what we need. Yes. And then in 2005, 
they remade the Quatermass experiment as a live uh, TV one-off broadcast. Uh, Mark Gatiss is in it, uh, David Tennant, Jason Fleming plays Quatermass. And that's a really good, like, just adaption of the original Quatermass because, like I say, you can't really see it. And it's better than watching the Brian Don Levy one. Um, and that was actually, that was broadcast the same night that the Pope died. And you and me, Lee, were watching Noel Fielding doing stand-up. We were. We were yeah. in uh, The Abused Moose, which is a yes. secret club in central London. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's basically the, the, the Quatermass story. So in terms of the pit, this is so like... It's had quite a good run. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, re, the weird thing is, is that no one, that, like I say, uh, Brian Donlevy and Andrew Keir are the only people who have played him twice. And I do think it's something that's quite ripe for a consistently done version where you can sort of seed it through because like characters reoccur across the three the first three sort of series and you get like a reporter who comes back in on this, who's in mm. the pit, who's in another one and stuff like that. And yeah. But, um, but yeah, I like I say the BBC Quatermass in the pit is well worth checking out. If you do love, if you, you, you know, if you really like Quatermass in the pit, it mm. is, yeah, it's telly from 1958, but it's actually still pretty fresh feeling. And, um, and actually, like I say, I think it probably has a better build, yeah, than the okay. Hammer version, just because it's not condensed, so you mm. get much more like the stuff where they're going through about like because I mean I love that because again that is kind of like the Stone Tape where they have all the um like they're going through the parish records and it's like you know people it's like it's, it's, what is it charcoal burners from like the thirteen uh, hundreds right. and this and even then it's like. Uh, this has long been a known place for strange and mysterious sounds and sort of mm. all stuff like that. See, now I made a note of that. This is one of the first things that I've uh, that I remember seeing where it actually took ghosts and aliens and put them both mm-hmm. like one is the cause and effect of the other. Mm. Yeah, and I really yeah. like that. Like it, the, that kind of what is it they call it? A unified theory. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was really, again, like I say, for 1967, like that's really mm. forward thinking to say, yeah. do you know what? Maybe ghosts are aliens, mental projections, and stuff like, mm. yeah, like that's really thinking outside the box for the time. I thought it was well, not only that, I mean, the, the, the script really doesn't change much from 58. So it's, you know, it's even kind of earlier. Again, again going back to. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I mean, Nigel Neal really just. I mean, when he was on fire, he was a fucking dynamo. He really was. And he actually did, he did another thing called the Year of the Sex Olympics, which predicts... Did you say the Year of the Sex Olympics? Yeah. And what it is, it's a dystopian future. They all are. Uh, it's well, a dystopian yeah. future where basically the population's got out of hand. So to stop people procreating, they just give people, like nonsense telly and pornography well then we are living that dystopian future it get it gets better it, get, it gets even better than that is basically the ratings start going down because people are bored of watching sex and stupid game shows and things like that and then during a show someone like a technician falls off a ladder and dies and the ratings go through the go roof right up, yeah. and then they're like oh so people like real things so one of the examples... And, and people dying. 
Yeah. Well, one of, the exec- one of the executives comes up with the concept of, well, why don't we put a house on an island and put cameras all around it and just film people living life like olden days, as he puts it. And it's just like having to subsist like on a farm mm. sort of thing. And it's basically Big Brother or yeah. any other or Survivor or any yeah. number of those sort of reality shows. And again, this is like 19, I think this was like, I think that's before the Quite Mess in the Pits. There's about like 58 or something like that, or 56. And, and then again, it's the usual thing. The ratings start falling. So what do they think? We'll send the convicted murderer in. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, mm. and it ends as grimly as you can imagine with that. But at the end of it, it's the audience. The ratings are through the roof. Right Everyone's up. really, really happy with it and everything. And it's like the one executive left in the sort of ballroom is going, that 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 man is dead. That that has happened. And they're like, yeah, but it's like, you know, but it's the ratings. And it's sort of, again, just worryingly sort of, he's just a very, very, it's, I would say elements of it, he would probably, I mean, he would despise it because I think he despised, like I said, I think he despised pretty much anyone else's writing. But something like Black Mirror would, it's in that, I mm. think that's definitely where Charlie Brooker would aim for, where it's like you watch things like uh, 50,000. Well, that's technology manipulating us without, yeah. Yeah. you know. But when you watch stuff like 50,000 credits and it's things like, oh yeah, no, that's how it's going to be. Like when you end up in, you, you end up in a, box of screens and you have to pay to stop adverts and mm. so, do you know what i mean and it's sort of it's, it is like again that sort of thing of natural conclusion but nigel neil was just like formidably good at it he really was so maybe he was infected by aliens i think he was well the, the end of the because uh, the end of the, uh, for some reason, at the end of every Quatermass, he kind of does a broadcast to the nation. So he would be quite famous where it's like, because one of them, it's just because he um, he basically broadcasts the nation uh, to apologise. He hijacks like a OB camera, like outside broadcast camera, because the alien naturally holes up at um, uh, Westminster Abbey. Um but it's the week after the Queen's coronation, so the cameras are still there. And he hijacks one of the OB cameras and basically says to the world, look, I'm going to go and try and stop this, but I want to accept responsibility for I've probably fucked this planet. And all the way through it, you do get that kind of thing of quite a mess is just terribly responsible and sort of mm. really guilt-ridden by all the things that he does. I mean, he keeps fucking doing it. I mean, it's like, you, yeah, but you keep doing rockets and they keep blowing up and killing people. And, yeah, but like I said, do what you're good at. Although, yeah, exactly. Say, he's, not, he's not necessarily good at it, but that's what he's best at out of everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably quite difficult to do rockets. He's found his niche. Yeah. I know, yeah. He's found his niche, bless him. Rocket science. Rocket science might be a it's, difficult it's thing. Probably. Okay. It's probably. I don't know if it's as hard as brain surgery, but it's right up there. It's, 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 definitely, it's definitely in the classic list. I, I, I remember I watched, uh, I read a comic called Orbiter by Warren Ellis, who uh, did um, uh, Castlevania, uh, one of the comics he wrote. And I remember saying to Dean about that, I was like, there's, I was like, it's really good, but there's bits of it where I'm just like, what? What the hell's like, that's like all stuff about like propulsion and trajectory? And he went, yeah, yeah, it's rocket science. 
You that is kind of it's, hard to understand. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it kind of, it is one of the go-to <laughs> examples of hard to understand. Yeah. Isn't it? So maybe, maybe I'm not letting the side down so much, but, you know. We'll give you um, that one. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> um, I've got to say, I made a couple of notes watching this. Um, at the opening credits, although the film itself isn't particularly horror, like it's way more mm. sci-fi, mm. Opening credits were horror just through and through. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, I'm you've really, got like, really like, like big, big skulls and stuff, isn't it? It's like, yeah. Um, and also the, the connection back to, I didn't write the episode number down. I was going to, um, Hobbs End. Mm. In the Mouth of Madness. Yes. I, Again. So, I hadn't noticed that previously, but yeah, I remember just discussing it in the um, in the Mouth of Madness episode, and you saying it was one of the episodes, yeah, where it kept calling back to this. It yeah. Every ten minutes, we kept coming back to Quatermass. Um, so, so what was what's Hobbs End? So Hobbs End in uh, in the Mouth of Madness, uh, it's the the place where. It's the fictional place where all of his books take place. Um, so, uh, oh, like Stephen King's got Castle Rock. Oh, so that's where, where they went to. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sutter Kane yeah. has Hobbs End, and then it turns out it's potentially a real place. And yeah. then they and that's go and. Where yeah. They, yeah. Where they find him ultimately is in mm. Hobbs End. Uh, yeah, which comes from this. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, go on, sorry. Uh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, we've said it before a like, lot on the. Uh, again, can't remember which episode, but the Halloween three. Uh, John Carman is a big, like, quite a mass fan, Nigel Neal fan, and again, like, uh, uh, Halloween three is kind of based on a script that Nigel Neal wrote. Uh, although Nigel Neal claims that his didn't involve stone circles or anything and projections oh, really? through the TV, and it's like, get to fuck, mate, come on, you know, that's not <laughs> included. That. Yeah, <laughs> it's. <laughs> And maybe that's the reason he took his name off it, though. It's like, I don't do stone circles anymore. And John Carpenter's like, that is specifically why I've hired you, <laughs> Nigel. <laughs> Nigel! <laughs> what are you doing, Nigel? But, um, but yeah, you've uh, but well spotted on Andrew Keir's mm. Scottish appearance, Lee, because I'm just, yeah, I'm impressed because he is Scottish. But this just is... just something about him. He just, he just looked... Really Scottish, yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's got a little bit of a you know, you've got a bit of a similarity to him, Lee. <laughs> I, yeah, it's the beard, yeah, um, and very similar hair. We'll get um, you a little tweed hat and then you can. And I do, I, I did make a note of it. Um, I do also have the same role, which is I don't drink hard liquor before, before midday, yes. <laughs> I love but... that line. <laughs> Please excuse me. I don't <laughs> normally drink before midday. Not like normal people who have a well, you know. Even at the weekend, six o'clock is probably early enough. Yeah. Please excuse me. Drinking this flask of brandy. I don't normally drink before midday, but <laughs> some bloke just had a bit of a shout in a box. Oh <laughs> yeah. That I mean, the thing is, is that like I say, when you watch the beep one, the, the, the stuff sort of tends to be. Um, pretty much it's hit for hit it's just very condensed yeah. um, but again yeah just um, and actually um, 
the one thing I do love about it is I do love, I do love his relationship with Colonel Breen because mm. that's not it. And actually, weirdly, I think the Hammer Colonel Breen is slightly more avuncular because um, the one on the BBC, he starts out full dick. Um, he, 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 he's like he's just a knob from the start because that's the because the whole thing is is right at the start of it is where they're sort of going on about their taking over because that's the thing is that he runs the British Rocket Group um, and uh, yeah they're the like but the basically the military get involved because they're like well if we're going to send stuff into space we we're going to make sure that it's going to be uh, you know military. <laughs> Uh, with a military, um, oh, what's the word? Like from a military angle or whatever like that. But yeah, Breen is like a real s- sort of just proper stuff shirt ass in the BBC one. But um, Colonel Breen in this, uh, Julian Glover, who I uh, had to look it up, is eighty fucking four and still fucking rocking mm. because yeah, do you right? I'll give you a few. I'll give you a few um, sort of credits for you. Um, this one is just a, purely for me, so I apologise already. That he was Count Sc- Count Scarlione, aka Scaroth, last of the Jaggeroth in City of Death on Doctor Who. That's his maybe, um, but uh, he's General Veers in Empire Strikes Back, the Attack Commander. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I knew him from. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's Walter Donovan in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Christatos uh, in Fury Eyes Only. Uh, he's in, uh, but he's still making stuff now. Uh, he was in um, Black Earth Rising quite recently. But you'll probably know him best as Grandmaster Pycelle in Game of Thrones. Yes. Gr- Grandmaster, sorry. He's yes. ja- Jazz Hand. Uh, yes. As I always think of him because of bad lip reading. And he also looks exactly like uh, my friend Simon Jones. <laughs> he <laughs> does actually, yes. Clearly not. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, he does. But um, yeah, do you know who we mean, Chris? In, it's, so, uh, I think, like, so I know him from Indiana Jones and Star Wars. But so Pycelle, like, I kind of think you mentioned someone that was related. That Pycelle was, was either blind no, he's the Uh-oh. he's the very old maester at King's Landing in the at the start of Game of Thrones, when oh. they first go to King's Landing, he's like the old boy who is their maester. Oh, uh, like yes, yeah, the sort of kind of dodge. He's, he's got a beard, white beard, of, yeah, yeah, monk look. I yeah, totally did not. Yeah, that's Colonel, okay. it's Colonel Brink. Yeah. And that's funny, I definitely had a sort of sense of him being someone I knew. And yeah. I yeah, never realised. Okay. And the great yeah, uh, thinking of Chris. Uh, yeah. Uh, the one he was someone else that, though, wasn't he? Like, well, yeah, that's your dad. Yes, from Yeah, uh, yeah from MR James. Yeah. From uh, not Whistle and I Come No, it is Whistle and I Come to No, it's not Whistle and I Come to You. It's uh, uh, uh Warning to the Curious. That's him. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah but, okay. Um, and yeah, I was just uh, again, like I say, just what is your secret, Julian? Mm. Yeah, because it looks so good, you mm. know. And I mean, well, he's still he's still acting in stuff and things like that. And you know, he's a, so yeah. I'm just very, and also, how fucking badly does Mark Gatiss want to be it? Yeah, totally. you know, 
that at the the couple of Christmas episodes back, he was in a, in the Doctor Who Christmas special, uh, playing a man in a World War uh, One uniform, and it was like, can you uh, can you make me uh, look a bit like Julian Glover in the in the Christmas <laughs> the pits? Could you? Yes, <laughs> lovely. Thank you. Um, this Christmas, uh, ghost stories for Christmas. There is another one. It is being done again as an M.R. James story. So I'm yeah, very that, that I'm very pleased to hear. Yeah, because I like I like his M.R. James adaptions. I just didn't think I didn't think much of the one last year. It was, it was okay. It was it it passed half an hour, but then you know. So did breaking wind. I think the problem is because it's such an old tradition. In my mm. mind, it should still be an old story. So they should still be old Victorian stories. So doing a mm. new turn, like it's worth a, it's worth a punt. Like give it a go. But yeah, it, it certainly didn't work for me the same way that the M.R. James adaptations do. So I'm glad they've gone back to those. Yeah. Um, well done, the guy I was talking about earlier, Duncan uh, Duncan Lamont, who played Sladden, the uh, drilling engineer, mm. and again, and again, that's just like that is one of the weirder moments that, like the Claire said, it was like that effect where the gravel's moving. Mm. That's still shit up. That is, there's sort of yeah. like you know, there's a couple of dodgy wires here and there, but basically, effects wise, I don't think this. I think this holds up. Mm. Um, People who are brought in by the government to do very specific jobs uh, still have to hold their trousers up with a piece of rope. Oh, I'll, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, just, I just love how he basically now, do you know what he'd be doing? He'd be driving for parcel folks. <laughs> it's that same thing. It's that same thing of I'm a moaning English workman. And, you know, and. Uh, Council. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. But just the sort of thing where it's like, oh, what, mate? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> and just lightly, and just the, the sort of disdain coming from the um, from the uh, army as well, which was just... Uh, um, oh, when uh, they tried to kick his tools? Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky bastards. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's, I think there's. Oh, and did you spot the vicar uh, in it? Who used to? He was the headmaster from uh, uh, Police Sir. Was the, uh, no, the when I was yeah. out to take? Yes, when I was out doing choir practice. Uh, yes, the old headmaster from. Um, oh, I didn't pick up Police on that. Sir, yeah, myself for that. And obviously, you've got Andrew Keir playing quite a mess and Barbara Shelley playing uh, Barbara Judd. Um, and now, I recognise her as a vampire in something. Is that right? Yeah, she's she's in Dracula, Prince of Darkness, as indeed is Andrew Keir, actually. He plays Father Sandor, the main yeah. sort of... Yeah. I have written quite a mess is vampire movie priest kick-ass. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He... Just remember him being very, stop being so foolish, get up there. Get it sorted. Come on. <laughs> He's wonderfully no nonsense in it. It's like when he comes in and the first thing he does is warm his ass on the fire. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm a man. I'm a man of the cloth, but I do like a warm behind and stuff like that. Um, but I think that, that's when you want, which yes, 
Um, but I think that, uh, yeah, I think that he, uh, yeah, he's in uh, Dracula, Prince of Darkness. So is Barbara Shelley. She's uh, Helen, one of who gets dracked. Uh, Dracula, Prince of Darkness is one of the Hammer Christopher Lee films, Chris. But mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, it was by this point that Christopher Lee said the dialogue had got shit. And it's like, well, if, if the dialogue was not from Stoker, I won't say it. So Dracula doesn't actually talk uh, mm. during that film. Oh, so, so wait, he was, he was still happy to act in it, but just not talk? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of stroppy pricks involved. Mm. You know, <laughs> there's, it's, I think it's, I'm willing to take the shilling, but I'm going to be a bit of a dick. Mm. I'm just going to, oh, right. well, you know, if it's not, I said to them with the dialogue, well, if the dialogue's going to be like that, I'm just going to not talk. I mean, why they can't go back to the source to start? It's like because you're in three, you're three films deep, mate. They've mined it. Mm. They've yeah. done everything. Well, was he starting to get other films? I think so. At that I th- point, he also Christopher Lee had that sort of weird, um, which Pete Cushion never suffered from, but Pete, uh, but Christopher Lee did have that weird thing where every so often he would kind of deny that he was a horror actor. Mm. And I was like, I have done them. Yeah. I have done over 900 other films, you know. <laughs> it's a very small portion of what I do. And it's like, yeah, that's what you're known for, mate. Come on. Mm. It's like Alec, Alec Guinness moaning when kids recognised him as Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because they've seen Bridge Over the River quite <laughs> silly old prat. Um, um, but Barbara Shelley's in The Gorgon as well. Uh, Blood of the Vampire, Rasputin, Shadow of the Cat, Camp on Blood Island. She's in loads of... Uh, Hammer films. I need to rewatch Rasputin actually as well. Yeah, she's. Um, I believe Bob Shelley's actually still with us, uh, but she did have rather a killer time. Where, where is she? Uh, she, she? We've got her in a bag. Uh, she was in the again back to Mark Gatiss. She was in the History of Horror. Yes, she was. In, yeah, in, yeah. I do remember being interviewed by. Yeah, her, which was but good. she's she's had quite a debilitating stroke so I think that sort of curtailed her acting unfortunately but um, but yeah no I believe she's still with us as is Julian Glover it's one of the few it's one of the few films we've covered from a sort of from sort of you know 80s back that actually features living members of the cast who aren't you know children in the film mm. <laughs> so um, yeah it's quite remarkable for us it's almost a happy story yeah. oh is this your bid for was that your bid for sponsorship Oh, what was yeah. it? Uh, Baker's Mark, please sponsor us. Oh, okay. I'm this stuff. You've got to, you've got to do it properly though. You've got to do it, put your hand behind it like a proper. Honestly, don't you know anything about YouTube, Lee? Come on, but it's only. Even... I tell you what, I do know about YouTube. Yeah. When you first sign up, it takes you twelve hours to load a video because it keeps knocking it back. Because if it's longer than an hour and a half in length, you need to authenticate your account, apparently. <laughs> and if it says you can authenticate your account, don't worry. You don't need to re-upload your video. You don't need to re-upload it. But it won't publish it. So you basically have to delete it and then re-upload it. Lee, are you just hours, pointing out to everyone that you're an unauthenticated loser at the moment? You've got to remember, people... people YouTube sucks dick. But we're, we're now we're now fully established. Yeah. Now, we're, now we, we have control. We're not getting monetized now, are we? You fool. We could have we could have been YouTube darlings. We could have been. We could have been. The, we could have been. I don't know. We could be the new Team Ten. We could have been the new Smosh. I don't know. 
other, other names that I've heard of. <laughs> yeah, of course, we, of course we don't. We're in our 40s, you fool. That's why we don't know who these people are. Early you. 40s. Only 41. <laughs> Early 40s. How dare you? I'm 48. Nearly <laughs> 50, you cheeky fucker. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, us in our late teens, as we are, uh, you know, because that's what all the YouTube people are. Quick, Chris. I'm start alternative to YouTube, and it's going to be easier to upload to. Chris, do, do some flossing or something. Get the kids involved. You know, get, get, get the kids watching. I don't understand how these things work. I what, you mean go and clean my teeth? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, no. I know. I know. But with the, yeah, just look. You've got to remember, Press Lee, the filter button. It'll all be fine. There's people lighting their farts who manage to upload videos to this. So, you know. Not for an hour off, apparently. <laughs> I would watch that <laughs> hour and a half that, long. That is, that is what we're missing from the world. Yeah, just someone like, who can... uh, The pain, the call in the ambulance, waiting for it to come, picking you up, taking yeah. you to the emergency, going quite through a good... <laughs> Yeah, Burnt Bum Channel. Let's <laughs> forget um, a podcast. Yeah. Uh, talking earlier on uh, of uh, stuff set further back which has been um covered multiple times i've also been watching uh the war of the worlds tv show mm. on the bbc oh any cop yeah i'm two oh, episodes in the last one is this sunday uh, and i'm really enjoying it uh chris jones previous guest on the show said it was garbage um but i've really enjoyed it so that so, meant that you're probably gonna love it so, oh no, actually, I, well, I don't know. He liked threads, so yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But you might like um, threads. I'll never find out because I'm not gonna fucking watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but War of the Worlds, really good. Um, it takes it it takes the story in a slightly different, more so it it's more about the family who are experiencing it than purely the the experience itself of the aliens coming down. Um, but yeah, it's very good. They've kept it they've kept it period, but they've modernised it slightly, which I quite like. What's that big grin about? You said period. <laughs> oh dear. Um, what a bloody yeah, no, <laughs> So they've set it still in the Victorian era, but they've kind of updated the technology of it slightly, which I quite liked. Um, yeah, I just thought it was very good. But. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait until it's all all up, uh, like all uh, like all three parts, and then I'll probably binge it. That's the plan with Lady Jennifer. So I've watched the last two, but on Sunday we're going to watch the first two in the afternoon and then watch the third one as it airs. So nice. Good job, BBC. Very much life in it. Yes. And getting Rafe back on TV because can't get enough Rafe's ball. He's amazing. No. He's great. An acting dynasty. Indeed. Right. Shall we wrap this up then? Yeah. Um, and tell people what they can look forward to next time. Oh, yes. Mm. 
Yes. A a not horror film, according to Lee. Oh, it is a horror film. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 Just not it's... not a scary, a fun. No. Romp. Let me. Let's... Sorry. What are you doing? Thinking about I was, was going to try and do the the thumb thing, but oh, I just realised I'm not very good at it, so okay. I'll just I'll <laughs> practice that before I do it. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, what about it, the other one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's good. That was good, man. Yeah. Um, this is why you should be watching the YouTube video and not just listening. You just missed pure gold there from Chris. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. I for, for the benefits the of the tape, pure gold. <laughs> um, yeah. So for the next episode, as it's going to be almost Christmas, uh, we are going to cover Gremlins. Yeah. Uh, I reckon that's one of the best game tunes. It is. Uh, you have seen Gremlins, I'm assuming. I have, yeah. So, yeah, so you're going to now re-watch it with a horror background and see. Yes, it has been a long time. Yeah. yeah, fingers crossed we can get Lady Jennifer on as well, so we'll see you mm. again. Cool. Because she, she loves Gremlins, obviously. Yeah. It was uh, probably her that, that gave it to me to watch. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, well, I'm look. I'm looking forward to showing it to Claire as well. Mm. And and Gremlins. She she never seen it. She's not seen it now. <laughs> or Gremlins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what I thought Gremlins would be perfect because I know that your respective halves don't like horror particularly. Oh no, Claire. Claire was quite nice in the pit with me. Yeah. She just enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. So that's what I mean. This is a good film that you can show with your other halves uh, and they will enjoy just as much as you. I'm absolutely certain. Um, no, and I'd I, like I think Shelley think might have seen this one, one of her rare scariest films. I think she might have seen it. I think, weirdly enough, the best way I can describe it is it feels like it's a kid's film that's just a wee bit too scary for kids. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how I've always... That's how I viewed it when I was a kid, and that's how I will always view it. It's like, oh, it's a kid's film. Wouldn't you show it to a kid? But... And it's got Phoebe Cates in it. Yes. Right. No, oh. Yeah. Go on. And I was thinking, so I can't think of her in anything else. Drop Dead Fred. Mm. And Gremlins 2, the new batch. Oh, right, yeah, and Gremlins 2. <laughs> There you go. Blew that one out of the water. Right. So, we shall reconvene in a fortnight and uh, we shall cover Gremlins. I hope this sounds all right. I don't quite know. I've got sound lovely. Like, wedged into my ears. Uh, you know, you need to get, get, yourself, get yourself like a sweatband. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hold in. them in. Yeah. Like in the 80s. And you could do us some moves, yeah. Yeah. I flashed yeah, Adam's suit earlier before I started recording. Adam's looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm getting it. Christmas present this year. Right. Have fun. Thanks <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen. On that tongue action. It'll finish. Right. Have a fantastic evening. Thanks ever so much. Uh, don't forget to send us your hashtag ask welcome to horror questions. Mm-hmm. Um, 
email us. Uh, email us at info at welcometohorror.com uh, or message below on SoundCloud or YouTube and we will definitely uh, like and mention your comments possibly on the next episode. Don't mug us off though because I know you're all trolls. Um, yeah, and we'll see you again in a fortnight. Bye. 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 Drink Maker's Mark.